Well, good morning. I am uh, just rejoicing with you for a very positive vote for Asher Griffin to come to be your next pastor. I <clears throat> I uh, watched with, uh, or as the pastor search team worked so diligently and carefully for a number of months to come to this decision uh, presenting Asher for you, and I think they got just an ideal candidate. Uh, so I'm excited to see what God's going to do uh, here in the future of EMB and uh, praise Him for His leading. Uh, today we are in uh, the book of Galatians. So we're leaving our Philippian study for just a week, the Galatians chapter 5. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, there's one in front of you. There's the English Standard Version, page 974. Is where we'll be. And if you do not have a Bible, um, the church would like to make that a gift to you. If you're in need of a Bible, feel free to take that one with you. A preschool teacher was talking to her class about... Uh, how we should rejoice as citizens of the United States because we are all free. And one little boy stood up and said, I'm not free, I'm four. <laughs> well, no matter what our age is, we do rejoice in the freedoms we have as a nation and the freedoms we have as believers. At the heart of our nation and at the heart of our biblical faith, is there a, there's a commitment to freedom. And um, I like this quote from uh, Ronald Reagan, who said, if we ever forget that we are one nation under God, we will be one nation gone under. And I fear that we are moving too quickly in that direction. In our history, what compelled our forefathers to come to this nation was not only a, a love of God, but their desire for freedom, for political and economic and societal freedom. In fact, freedom was one of the inalienable rights spoken of in our Declaration of Independence. It was the first right guaranteed in the Bill of Rights. Even our national anthem says we are the land of the free. In our, as a nation, through the years, we have paid a very high price for freedom. We, and we have certainly learned again and again that freedom is not free. It comes at a great cost. So at the heart of our nation, there's a commitment to freedom, but also at the heart of our biblical faith is a love for and a commitment to freedom, not just political or social freedom. In the Old Testament, from the time that God delivered Moses and the children of Israel from Egypt to the time of the return from the Babylonian captivity, God has been known as a, as a let my people go kind of God. And in the New Testament, 
Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to declare the release of captives. Ephesians 4 says that Jesus took captivity captive. In John 8, Jesus says, You you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Later on, he says, If the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed, or you shall be really, truly free. Now, Jesus was not talking about political freedom. He was referring to something much more important, enduring, and costly. And so Paul writes here in Galatians 5.1, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. I normally use the New King James, but I really appreciate the way the New American Standard treats this verse. So that's the the version I'm using for this verse anyways. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. This verse refers not only to the getting of freedom, but the guarding of freedom. There's a cost involved. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Christ set us free. And to do so, it would cost him. So from what did Christ set us free? It's already been spoken of earlier today. He set us free from the law and sin and its consequences. Because by nature, as by birth, we were Sinners, we had a sin nature from the time of birth. We're prone to sin. We have a disposition, a bent toward sinning. And we not only sin because we have a sin nature, but we have that, that innate desire in us. We choose to sin. We're not forced to sin. We do so by, by our own choice, our own volition. The devil didn't make you do it. You sin, I sin, because we choose to. And it's like an addiction. We sin, but we can't stop sinning. How many times have you said, I'm not going to do that anymore? And so we could not set ourselves free from sin. It took someone outside of ourselves. Christ set us free. And there was a price to pay in order to do this. A a ransom to be given. A sacrifice to be made. And it took a crucified Savior. Christ set us free. And those few words is the crucifixion. Because that is the cost that He paid in order to set us free. He was nailed to the cross in order to give us that freedom, freedom from sin. He experienced agony hour upon hour for our freedom from sin. He experienced something that no one has ever experienced, and he had never experienced before that time, something which was worse than the nails driven into his hands and feet, Separation from God the Father. 
in all the agony of the cross, the one time he cried out was to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We will never understand how great of a payment that was. But that was the payment, the cost of your freedom, of your spiritual freedom. And the purpose is, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. It was for freedom. That's the purpose of it. Freedom from what and freedom to what? Well, first of all, freedom from the law and sin. We could not keep the law and we could not keep from sinning. We were subject to sin. We were slaves to sin, as Romans 6 says. But when Jesus died on the cross, He paid for every sin. Not only this, but he, His payment not only took away the sin, but provided something for us. He took away the sin and He provided for us His righteousness and exchange. He took upon Himself our sin, gave us His righteousness, and provides for us a new nature. The old nature, the one you were born with, the one which, which was a sinful nature, as, as the old man which is crucified with Christ, but He has given us a new nature, a nature which is able to live for Him. Not only do we have freedom from sin today, from the penalty of sin today, but we have freedom from the consequences of sin for eternity. I think most often when we think about freedom from sin, we, we're thinking about right now, we are not counted guilty before God because Christ paid for our sin. But that's just for now. He set us free from the consequences of sin for eternity because hell is a very real place and it lasts forever. This is a place where Jesus says the worm does not die and the fire is never quenched. He called it a place of outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And everyone who does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is bound for that place. And so were you. And so was I. But when we understood and believed that Jesus died for our sins, He rescued us from that eternity in torment. And some people have this idea that when they go to hell, they're going to be with their buddies, going to be with their friends. Won't be so bad. People who go there will not even know other people are there because they will be in outer darkness. They won't even be able to see the hand in front of them, much less see other people. There's not going to be any fellowship, any communion, any partying. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And God saved you from that. He set you free from that. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. So we're freed from that, but what are we 
set free for or to is a freedom to live for Christ. You have been transferred from, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. You who were far off and separated from God have been brought near. We've changed from being enemies of the cross to being called beloved in Christ. We were changed from a status of never being able to please God no matter what we did to being fully pleasing to Him and having the privilege to serve, honor, and glorify our Lord. We finally have the freedom to live for Him. A.W. Tozer wrote, The gospel has the power to deliver men from the tyranny of social approval and make them free to do the will of God. We're finally free to be able to serve Him. As Terrell read from Romans 6, we change from being slaves to sin to being slaves of righteousness. We live for Him. So as for freedom, freedom from the law and sin and freedom to live for Christ. But Paul raises a concern here and this um, whole book of Galatians really is meant to address this concern when he says, it was for freedom that Christ set us free, therefore keep standing firm and here's the concern, do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery or bondage. Don't allow yourself to be subject again to a yoke of slavery or bondage. Well, how do we do this? There are two ways, and both of these are addressed in the book of Galatians. The first one is what we might call a Christ plus life. And the other one we might call a Christ minus life. So the Christ plus life is adding my works to his. And this is actually the main issue in Galatians. All of chapter 3 and 4 are addressing this issue of people who believe in Jesus, but they add something to it. Their own works. As if we have to continually earn His favor. As if God was not pleased with us. As if we didn't do those things, we might lose our salvation. And of course, there are groups that actually teach this. It's fine that you've been saved, you've been born again, but if you don't keep these certain things and do, do or not do this list, then you're no longer saved. And that was the problem that the Galatians were facing and the Judaizers were saying, well, in addition to Christ, you need to keep the law. You need to be circumcised, you need to follow the observances of these special days and so forth. And Paul is strongly arguing against this Christ plus me kind of view of salvation. It is Christ alone. And so don't be subject again to this yoke of slavery. Again, meaning they used to be. When they used to live by rules and regulations that 
by which they govern their spiritual well-being. And all those laws which no one was able to keep, which Paul says in Romans 7, proves that we are sinners. The law was our schoolmaster, Paul says elsewhere in this book, to bring us to Christ because it is teaching us we cannot be saved on our own. Nothing we ever did or ever will do will earn our salvation. It is Christ alone. And to suggest that it is Christ plus me that makes me saved diminishes the death and sacrifice of Christ as if that was not enough. So, do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery by a Christ plus life. But also, don't be subject again to this yoke of slavery by a Christ minus life. This is the other side of it. This is emphasizing the freedom that we have in Christ without Christ. This is emphasizing the freedom we have in Christ without Christ. In other words, this is saying, yes, Jesus paid for all my sin. He set me free. Now I am free to live as I want. This flowed from a background of Greek Epicurean philosophy, which taught that uh, the body was evil, but the spirit is good. So it doesn't matter what you do with your body. Your spirit has been set free. Your spirit's going to be in heaven. This body's not going to make it anyways. It doesn't matter what you do with your body. You're free. Paul addresses this in verse 13 of this same chapter. Look at that. Galatians 5.13 says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, or you've been called to freedom, only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Yes, you've been set free, but not so that you can use your freedom to fulfill the desires of your flesh. See, they were saying, yes, Christ has set me free, now I can do what I want. Emphasizing freedom in Christ without following Christ. Paul is saying there's a concern about this. Do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. You see, that's just another kind of slavery. Because the slavery you were saved from is that you were living for yourself in your old life, before Christ. We live for ourselves, not Him. So why should we go back to living for ourselves? And finally, the command, keep standing firm. There's this draw to one way or the other, leave Christ alone. And Paul is, is giving this imperative, keep standing firm. The enemy of your soul cannot take away your freedom in Christ, but he can pervert it and he wants to and he works towards that 
by having you either add things to Christ or remove Christ and His Lordship from your way of life. So we stand firm by faith. Keep standing firm. If I might illustrate it this way, we are uh, Christ in me is the narrow road, so to speak. This is the way we should be looking at life. Christ in me, the hope of glory. I am saved because of Christ. One way of going to the right or to the left, in my case this would be the right, uh, would be Christ plus me. Going off this end. Christ plus me instead of Christ in me. Or the other way is Christ under me. This way is saying that, that my spiritual well-being depends upon me as well as Christ. He didn't do enough. This side is saying Christ under me, that since I'm free in Christ, I can live however I want to. Paul is saying both of those are wrong. Christ in me is where we're headed. Keep standing firm here. Don't go to the right or to the left. Don't fall off in either ditch. Don't try to add to what Christ did. And don't diminish the fact that Jesus is Lord of our lives. I was thinking about this this past week. There was a, a hymn that came to mind, just a line of which I think encapsulates the whole thing here. If you can just keep this bit of the hymn in mind. For, for going this way, Christ plus me, Jesus paid it all. And for going this way, without the lordship of Christ over my life, all to Him I owe. Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. You can remember that, that part of that hymn, it will suit you well. And encapsulate really what Paul is saying here. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. And you'll fall off on either side. But you'll stay Christ in me. The hope of glory. Let's pray. Lord we thank you for. The freedom that we have. In Christ. Freedom from sin. And it's eternal. Damning consequences. That you have forever set us free. And the freedom to live for you. What we were never able to do in our own selves. To finally be able to live for you. To have your Holy Spirit within us. Enabling, directing. Uh, granting us spiritual gifts. Guiding us to live for you. Thank you, Lord. And we... We know, Lord, that we are prone in our own humanness to fall off to the right or to the left, to, to leave Christ alone. But, Lord, keep our eyes, our focus, our heart centered upon you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.